Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 18, How to Have More Great Days at Work. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. Today, we're going to be talking about how to have more great days at work. I'm excited to welcome to the show Chris Rice, the president and CEO of global consulting firm Blessing White, which helps create high-performance cultures that drive results and reinforce organizational values. Chris has been recognized in each of the last two years as a top 100 thought leader by Leadership Excellence Magazine. And Chris and his colleagues are the authors of the brand new book, The Engagement Equation, Leadership Strategies for an Inspired Workforce. Chris, welcome to the show. Jesse, thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure. Now, what we wanted to talk about in this session is focusing on your concept of that you talk about in the book of having more great days at work and how can we as leaders personally have more great days of work. You, I think, start out with a pretty interesting answer to that question uh, and, and how that ties into the topic of engagement. Yes. So I think the first thing you need to do before you get to great days of work is to define what engagement means. And what's been very interesting to all of us at Blessing White as we've researched the topic over the last 10 years is how at the beginning people would hear the term engagement and think it's satisfaction or be not quite sure how to define it. Right now, if you Google the term employee engagement, you'll get 7 million different hits. So uh, lots of uh, lots of interest in it, but a wide range of definitions. The way that Blessing White defines employee engagement is that, and this is, ties back to the title of the book, The Engagement Equation, it is an equation, and that employee engagement is the sum of maximum satisfaction for the individual and maximum contribution to the organization. So in other words, it's not enough to just be satisfied as an employee. If you're not working on stuff that helps your organization be successful, you're not really engaged. And then conversely, if you're only working like a dog and you hate going to work, you're definitely not engaged. I think people have experienced both sides of, of that equation and have been out of balance. So. That's the definition of what engagement is. And um, the other part of your question of how do you have more great days at work, we've done an exercise for some time around the world. We've literally done it from China to throughout the United States. I was last week in London, Dublin, and Abu Dhabi, and I ran the same exercise among a lot of different people and had the same effect. And the way the exercise works is that you ask people to think of a time that they came back from work and they said, wow, that was a great day at work. And then you have them reflect on what made it a great day at work and why did you describe it that way? And they tend to tell you stories of 
uh, things of it being interesting work, that they knew it made a difference to the success of their organization, that it satisfied their personal values, that they received recognition, that they used their talents. And often they describe it as very hard work, but in a positive way, and it was aligned with what the organization needed. They use a lot of terms like that. And what's fascinating about doing the what's a great day at work for you exercise is that people don't say, well, it was a great day at work because my boss got sick and then all of us got to leave early. They <laughs> tend to describe doing something really phenomenal at work. I, I've been amazed in asking the, this question that people will tell you stories about you know, of going above and beyond the call of duty in, in something. Um, Yet, we're not able to do that at all times. So the other thing you should know about employee engagement is that you're not at maximum satisfaction and maximum contribution every day. There are a whole bunch of factors that will move you around on what we call the X model. And uh, we've got this great model that helps people visualize what engagement looks like and what disengagement looks like, too, and how you can articulate it. You know, it's interesting as you were describing your definition for engagement it reminded me of a dilbert cartoon that i just saw fairly recently and one of the characters says to the boss why are we why are you announcing this big initiative on employee engagement and the boss says uh, i'm not really sure cuz i don't really not really sure what employee engagement is uh, except that i understand it's it's a way for us to get more work out of you guys <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I, I love that. That's we've been using that in some of our pitches to clients for years. It's very funny. So yeah, and and you're saying he he doesn't understand employee engagement that it it's about both the employee's contribution as well as the employee's satisfaction. It's a it's a two part formula, I guess. And when you put those together, Blessing White makes an X out of that. It's satisfaction plus contribution is this X. Uh, so let me describe the X model a little bit, and there's you have to visualize this. That um, imagine a it looks like a ladder or a road, and that as you move up that, it's uh, your version of satisfaction. As you move up the ladder, you become more satisfied, and then lower down the ladder, you're less satisfied. And if you put across another ladder, so that you form an X you could define that as contribution. And that, once again, as you move up, you're contributing more, you're doing more for your company, and as you move down it, you get to the point where you're not really a fit for your, what your organization needs you. And those two things intersect, and that's the job. Uh, so that's the X right there. It's the, the cross between satisfaction and contribution. And so if you visualize the X right at the the top of the X, the two high points, the maximum satisfaction, maximum contribution. Does that make sense? Have I it does. That? It does. And you, you say that people aren't necessarily static, that you, you might move around, you might feel higher levels of satisfaction in your work at certain times than you do at others, and you might feel uh, certain levels of contribution based on how, how really, well, all sorts of different variables, but one being how well do you feel aligned with the mission of the company and are you really making a do you really feel that you are making a difference on that sure so the sure. 
sort of the, the, the sweet spot on that X is what you call the engaged, someone who's pretty well fully engaged. Correct. Yes. And Jesse, you're exactly right that it's how, how well the employer, the individual feels aligned with what the organization needs. That's one, one factor. And as we did this great days at work exercise, I'd hear stories about people. You know, there was the, the person from Boeing who told the story about right after 9-11, they were putting together planes to transport materials out to the war zone. And how important that was to build the planes as quickly as possible, to build them and make sure they were done correctly, and how everyone worked together. So you've got a high sense of mission. You have a specific goal. And he said people were working around the clock, a lot of elements of, of trusting each other, of feeling the satisfaction of getting a job done that matters. Now, what's been fascinating to me is that, uh, you know, although that example has a very high sense of mission, you can create that same sense of mission doing something very mundane. And as important as, you know, uh, a soap is or some consumer product, it's not necessarily stuff that changes the world. But once again, you can create that enthusiasm within a team when they're working on something that they, they think is very important to them. And that's what a good leader does is instill that excitement so that people, whatever they're doing, think this is the most important thing in the world that I could be doing. And conversely, I found organizations that were doing something that I would view as extremely important. It's some pharmaceutical product that is uh, going to be a cure for some terrible disease. And they don't often always position to their employees what the significance is of what they're doing. And sometimes they miss that. They talk about the number of units by the loading dock. That's missing the point. Or or maybe the the employee realizes the the company's doing important things, but they might have other things going on in their life that, that would cause them to, to be disengaged for one reason or another. Maybe it's because they're actually uh, working, put, they, they kind of have their own personal values out of line, and so they're, they've allowed themselves to work way many more hours than they, than they should, and they may believe in what they're doing, but they, they're, they're just uh, getting burnt out. Sure. I mean, that's that satisfaction part of the X. And that no matter how committed we are to what we do at work, that personal things come into effect. And it's, you know, we're getting married, we're getting divorced, we're having kids, we're going or not going to soccer games. All those things are are in the mix. So you do have to keep a balance in the equation. And, um, And that actually ties to we see is one of the important components of keeping people engaged. We say there are three people who are responsible for engagement. One is the individual employee. At the end of the day, you've got to take responsibility for your engagement. And I'll talk a little bit about how individuals do that. Second is the manager. The relationship between a manager and employee is absolutely huge in employee engagement. And then third is the executive. And the executive creates the culture of the organization, mission, the values, the objectives, and articulates all, all those things. And if any one of those components is uh, out of balance, then you're going to have less engagement. Chris, you mentioned there are five levels of engagement, and you have a model called an X model that helps 
people understand those five levels. It's a little bit hard to grasp unless you can see it visually. So we'll put a link in our show notes to an excellent video that your firm, Blessing White, has put together to explain the X model. But could you just briefly give us an overview of all five levels of engagement? On the X, we categorize five different levels, starting with the engaged and going down to the disengaged. So those are the two ends of the spectrum. The engaged are at maximum satisfaction and maximum contribution, and the disengaged are at the the opposite. The other components, the other categories are what's called the almost engaged. And I describe these people as really good employees who like their jobs, who are doing lots of good work. And when the phone call comes from the headhunter, they immediately say, oh, um, I love this job, but I'm happy to talk to you. Of course, that's a very desirable person for a search person or a new employer. Another group is called the crash and burners. These are people who often are high performers. They're doing a lot, but they've gotten burned out. And what happens to them? They quit or they quit and stay. And if you know, you're your personal satisfaction is too low no matter how good you are at the job. That's not a sustainable proposition. And then the final category has two components. We call them honeymooners and hamsters. <laughs> they have lots of satisfaction, but they're not doing a lot for the company. That could be that you're new, the honeymooner. First day in the job, you're so enthusiastic. I'm so glad I got this job. I'm really excited. But you're not nearly as good as you are three months from then or three years. There's a group called the hamster. And just like the hamster in the cage who gets on the wheel and sometimes spins a lot, doesn't go anywhere, or sometimes gets off the wheel and takes a nap in the sawdust, these are people who have um, not, they're not working on things that are important to the success of the organization. And I often see these people when their jobs get eliminated and the company doesn't replace them because they've been providing no value. Good leaders, good managers first get the the new people, the honeymooners, up to higher levels of contribution as quickly as possible. And they also get the hamsters to understand what they should be working on and aligned with what the organization needs. The reality is that all companies are changing their priorities, their strategies. It takes a lot of uh, great communication skills for an entire organization to understand what needs to be done and be nimble enough when the priorities of an organization change, especially in a very dynamic world economy with competitors and all kinds of things going on. You have to keep changing your strategy, and often people miss that that cue from the leaders. It's interesting that... Those five levels of engagement, you can, as you describe them, you certainly see how they imp- apply to employees in an organization of any size. But it, it also, those same five uh, are applicable to a lot of different areas of life. I mean, I, I think of new parents that, that are excited at first about their, their family, and then uh, they discover that things weren't exactly as they pictured, and so uh, they become disengaged in, in some of these different ways. Maybe they, they're the crash and burners, for example. They, get, uh, they, they start having kids, and then they structure their lives in a way that's just too overwhelming for them. Or, or they, someone starts a, a new business, 
and they're really excited about it for six months, and then it turns out they're they're crashing and burning, or they they discover that they're really not uh, financially successful. They've been having fun, they've been getting the satisfaction so far, but they're not actually adding value that anybody wants to pay for. Yeah, you're exactly right that these concepts are apply to us in our personal lives. They apply whether we're working for the biggest companies in the world or we're just starting out and doing it part-time after work and have a tiny little company. You know, the, the stuff goes across you know, any situation. And what's also has we've learned through our research is that it's across all geographies around the world, every country, every age group. You can move around the X and you can move someone around very quickly. You have the most enthusiastic person at work who's working on all the right stuff. And then the manager comes in and yells at him and says, you know, you're not doing a good job. And recognition is such a big part of engagement. You can move someone from the apex of the, the X down to disengaged very quickly. One of the easiest ways that you kind of measure your own engagement is how, how often do you have a great day at work? Maybe it's not feasible yeah. to expect you're going to have a great day every day, but if you go too long without really coming back excited with that feeling that, yeah, I'm making a difference and this is a great place for me to work right now, you're going to end up disengaged. I would also add to that great day at work is that as you think through as an employee what makes a great day at work, one of the things you can do is to try to replicate those factors again and just spending a little time reflecting on what you view as a great day at work at this point in your, your life and identifying those characteristics. It was that I was working with a team of people or I was working with myself. I mean, very, very different. That I had all the responsibility or I was making the decision as part of a team. That there was a huge challenge or that there was a lot of time. I had to do things very quickly. All, all those different things. And if you can start to figure out what causes you to have a great day at work, then you can create more of those situations. A lot of our listeners are leaders already and and, and senior leaders. And you, you would expect that senior leaders would be engaged. In fact, I think a lot of people have the assumption that if you're a senior leader in this company, you are by definition engaged. Is that true? Our research does show that, that uh, engagement goes up as you move up in the organization. And typically moving up in an organization, you're a little bit older than the, the most junior people. So there is there's actually a reason why engagement goes up. Most people, when they start their work at in their early 20s, they have ended up in a position partly through serendipity that versus the, the job that they have at age 40 or 50, where you've experienced a few things and you've started to figure out the elements that make you engaged. And so in that career path, we start to gravitate towards those things that increase our engagement. Also, the more senior you are in the organization, the more control you have out of deciding what you want to do each day. So for example, I have a lot of latitude because of the, the good fortune of my job to work on the things each day that I think are not only important to the success of Blessing Weight, but I personally like to do. When you're starting out in your career, you have a little less flexibility in that. The 
Uh, the thing you should watch out for, though, is we have this expression, uh, a dead battery can't start others. Mm. And that if a senior executive is not engaged, it actually is very visible to the the rest of the organization, regardless of the, the size of that. And that has a huge negative effect on the organization. So we have some advice to senior executives who are, who are not engaged, and that is quit or commit. You said in the book that even though their senior leaders do tend to be more engaged, there still are about 10% that, that are disengaged at any time, and there's about 40% that would come out in one of those middle levels. So yeah. what types of scenarios would uh, it, it occur where you'd have a senior leader that is either disengaged or in one of the middle levels? There'd be any range of a number of factors too long in the same position, seeing a, a lack of connection between what they're doing and the uh, importance of the, the task. Lots of reasons that we fall out of engagement, similar to falling out of love. It's complicated. Yeah. And so you say if you're, if you're in that position and whether you're a senior leader in a large company or, heck, if you're, if you're a solopreneur running your own business or you're in a in a volunteering role that you start to realize you're disengaged, you either need to quit or, or commit. What, yes. So what, what, what tactics or strategies could someone in that position, what, what can they take to get reengaged, to, to manage their ex, if you will? Sure. And this is advice not just for the senior leader, but for everyone at all, all levels. The acronym is ACT. And the A is you have to assess what's important to you. You need to think about your personal values, your career path, how this organization fits, whatever is important to you. And then the C is communicate. You must communicate with your manager. And even at very senior level, you have some kind of manager. You have to answer to the board of directors, the stockholders, the, the, uh, the banks. And uh, communicate to your manager what's important, and then the T is take action so that if you are not engaged, you're not having enough great days at work, figure out what the elements are of a great day and find a job that has those elements. So ACT, assess, communicate, and take action. That assess part is difficult for a lot of people to take time for, to, to especially the, the sort of self-reflection part. And I, you point out that uh, a lot of times the reason that senior leaders maybe have higher levels of engagement is they uh, they're, they've managed their careers to the point where they're doing work that fits them better. And so maybe in your younger days, it's even more important to to self to, to be reflective. I, I can certainly think of roles where I was I I may have had moments where I really was more of like what you described, the crash and burners, where I had a very high contribution and was considered a high performer, but wasn't really getting enough uh, satisfaction as as time went on. I mean, I mean, you can do anything for a period of time, but, uh, you know, a couple of years go by and you start to realize that uh, this doesn't really match up with my personal values, what I'm doing here. Exactly. You know, you sort of scratch your head and you think, how did I get myself into this situation? And because you're a high performer, your manager thinks, oh, Jesse is great. He must be happy. 
and then one day you say, I've had enough. And that's that, you know, that phenomenon where there's, there's actually a, a line and there's a point when you cross that line, that's where you say, I'm out of here. It, it's, it's helpful to have sometimes someone coach you through that process of sorting through what your values are, what your interests are and your strengths and talents and goals. Uh, where, where can people, if, if they don't already have someone getting that kind of help, what, what do you recommend? Yes, and I'm going to uh, recommend a, a couple of different people who can provide that assistance. The very first person is your manager, and that in a good relationship with a manager, you'll have those conversations about what your values are, what your career is, and your manager will provide guidance. So I always tell companies, make sure your managers are skilled in having those conversations because it does take some expertise to, to do it. Unfortunately, not every manager is, is great at that. And so you need to develop other people who can provide you that support. Look for mentors within your organization or peers who you have confidence in their advice and you can discuss how you can improve your engagement. And then outside of work, you need to have friends and family who can also provide that, that role. And sometimes we choose people for the, the wrong reasons in uh, that discussion. So you want to make sure that you're asking advice of someone who can actually provide valuable insight that may or may not be your significant other or spouse or a parent or uh, a sibling. Choose wisely and look for uh, the appropriate uh, insight that will help you make decisions. I, I had, I've had a few periods in my, over the course of my career where I've had some moments that I, I felt disengaged, you know, high on the contribution, but low on the personal satisfaction. And on, on one of those, during one of those periods, I asked around and got different advice from different people and, and still didn't actually get the kind of assistance that I needed. Then I started turning to career coaches and executive coaches, and I basically just got different books and read some of them and then uh, and lear you know, learned as much as I could from them. But then one of them really uh, st struck me as... Uh, this person ha has the approach I think that's going to work for me and ended up hiring him as as a coach for me and having that, you know, whether it's a manager who has been trained to be a good coach or someone who has that, just that coaching expertise, it was uh, it was so valuable and so well worth the money. And for example, he looked at my my typical days and said, you know, you, you're very good at the business side of things, but you are spending all your time on the business side of things and you don't leave yourself enough time for the creative activity. And when I, you know, when, as we've gone through these assessments, the, you really need to have closer to half of your time spent in creative activity. And so you need to restructure your, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's amazing. I, I wasn't able to make the change immediately, but uh, I, I definitely started putting things in action right away. And over the course of time, I, I, I could step back and see, wow, the number of great days at work that I have, the percentage is so much higher than it used to be. And it just was so, and I've continued to use them as a coach, and it's just been so well worth 
the money spent on that? Uh, well, great story, Jesse. And the first thing is the what you described about the chemistry with your coach. That is extremely important. And then having someone who has the expertise to identify what it is that's important to you and then give you some advice about how you might find it. So you did the right thing. Absolutely. Well, terrific. And sometimes, sometimes it's a matter of quitting, as you said, either switching to a different role or a different organization. And you shared in the book the example that uh, the Twitter CEO, did, uh, even Williams, who didn't leave Twitter but certainly switched to a different role because he discovered that his role had grown to something that no longer was personally satisfying. And we find that with a lot of entrepreneurs as they grow their companies and they suddenly get moved into a position that is not consistent with the personality type that causes someone to start a company in the garage and uh, do wear all the hats, be very creative. In this case, the person moved into too much of a management role, which was not fitting in as he did his assess, communicate, and take action. So it, as a leader, it's, it's important to manage our own engagement, manage our ex. Make sure that we are having a sufficient percentage of great days at work because we, we're we responsible for kind of helping charge up the rest of the company. And you, a, a dead battery can't recharge something else. So either commit or quit and the assess, communicate, and take action is a good model for doing that. Chris, we've been talking about how to have more great days at work, but we've barely scratched the surface of all the content that's in your book. Let's do a separate episode on how to help your team have more great days at work. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank you very much for having me, Jesse. The book is The Engagement Equation, Leadership Strategies for an Inspired Workforce by Chris Rice and his colleagues. And you can find out more information about the book and get additional resources at the website, theengagementequation.com. And we'll put a link to that on our show notes. That wraps up this episode of the Engaging Leader Podcast. Be sure to tune in next time when Chris and I will talk about how to help your team have more great days at work. If you have a question or comment that you'd like us to address in that episode, you can record your question by calling 888-201-8450, or you can go to our website and leave comments on our show notes. Go to engagingleader.com and just look for the show notes for this episode and scroll down to the bottom and enter your comments there. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Arthur Hankey, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about. 